this place is special. Get asked all the time, where's your favorite place to take college game day? And I say every time, Eugene, Oregon. Yes. This is the best crowd. Honestly, it's six in the morning here. Yeah. It's dark. Yeah. It's raining. They don't care. <laughs> These fans right here, pound for pound, are as good as any college football fans in the country. This program is staged to compete and to win championships. Oregon is going to be in the championship game. Can you believe the magical season this has become? When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns been making deposits. Time to cash the check. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an Oregon 15-point win. Chip Kelly still does not have a win against his former school, and we say farewell. Man, it feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 Show, presented by Scoop Duck, with Doug, Andrew, and J-Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. In a momentous start wow. over. <laughs> is that Jabba? I don't know what that was. Okay. Wait, who was who was the like really ridiculously stupid character in uh, like the first series with the Jar 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 Binks? Yeah, kind of a little Jar Jar ish. Yeah, yeah, little little Jar Jar okay. there. Yeah, we're not gonna put this on the pot. Okay. In what will go down as a monumental and momentous day in college sports, um, and certainly in Oregon sports history, Oregon and Washington are officially members of the Big Ten Conference, QB. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, and let's talk about it for the next 40 minutes or so on this uh, emergency pod. I think our fifth podcast of the week, but I love it. Uh, there's a lot to we, talk about. And we have plans to record probably, what, each of the next two days? This is kind of crazy. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of content. So, um, yeah, uh, there's a lot to cover. But, I mean, let's just maybe start. I mean, obviously, we're kind of getting a little bit later on this, and, and everyone's been talking about it all day. We've I've been on Spaces all day. You were there some of the day, too. Um, so I don't think we need to go through the blow by blow by blow because everyone's familiar and, and that's been covered a million places. But I guess maybe let's just start with obviously Oregon, Washington, the Pac-10 or I'm sorry, in the Big Ten. <laughs> uh, and then quickly followed by the rest of the four corner schools joining Colorado in the Big 12. So the PAC conference is down to now just four teams, Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford and Cal. Let's put that on on the side. We can come back to the future of those four later. Um, whether it's this episode or the next one, but let's go back to kind of just initial reactions. I let's start. Let's let's talk about how the day started for me, QB. I got a phone call this morning from a dead <laughs> sleep by from you, uh, waking me up out of my sleep, telling me some crazy notion that there's reports going around that by that to your defense you didn't buy that were saying that that the big deal was off and that Oregon was going to stay in the Pac-12, and that's how you ruined my morning. Yeah, so really quickly, so we have a small group of Oregon fans that we've had a group chat with called Big or Bust since basically the day before USC left last year. Um, and we've held the line for, what was this, like 14 months now, 15 months? Um, and, and so it's, it's a pretty like cool thing to see. But yeah, there was a lot of panic this morning. And like to me, it just it, none of it passed the smell test in terms of like what was actually going to happen. It seemed to me... Um, there's been a lot of water being carried by the um, 
large what what where who am I trying to talk about now? There's been a lot of water carried by the TV networks or for the TV networks by some of the bigger um newsbreakers, whether it's Thamel or Mandel or all these guys. Um and I think to this morning it was mostly optics related, like trying to make it seem like it was really difficult. I know that even like Rob said multiple times uh, during the press conference that this is something that kind of materialized in the last couple of days. You and I and everybody that actually pays attention knows that's not the truth. Um, and so again, I think this was very much an optics thing to avoid possible litigation from the remaining schools in the pack. Um, and so well done. Um, I was never all that concerned. I was really trying to talk a lot of Duck fans off the cliff this morning. Um, and then Lo and behold, the meeting was really just Oregon and Washington telling them that they're taking the invite to the Big Ten um, that we kind of expected was coming when we recorded our last episode two nights ago. So um, really, really, really excited, like high level stuff. I mean, I put a tweet out earlier um, kind of giving my overarching thoughts. Like to me, this is this is the biggest thing in the history of the program. I think like when you look at kind of all of the effort and fine and money that has been put into the program over the last basically since 95. So the last 28 years. Um, it's kind of all culminated in this, right? Like re- building this national brand that is really attractive to media partners, um, that is competitive in a national landscape across all sports and, and create and turning little old Oregon, really what was a middle of the road kind of doormat program um, into a truly national power. Um, and I think this move cements that into perpetuity um, and sets you up for per for perpetual financial success um, now that you're aligned with one of the two big players um, that have real like permanence and staying power in the college football landscape. Yeah, I would say this is probably the second biggest day in the history of Oregon athletics. I'd say the first one being the day that Phil Knight decided he was going to start um, investing in, in, you know, in that, I think it was after a disastrous bowl loss, you know, way back when, 25 years ago, right? And he just said, hey, what what do you need to be able to compete? And and obviously, the you know, his backing and his financial investment has didn't just, it didn't just come in a big windfall day one, right? Like he gave some, wanted to see progress, saw it, gave some more, wanted to see progress, saw it, right? So it, you know, that, but that day was the catalyst that led us ultimately to today, right? Because today doesn't happen without that. And, but it also doesn't happen without everything in between. But also, this is the payoff. This is the, now here is the moment you've been working for for 25 years. Here is the moment to secure your place in the future of college athletics. And that's what that's what we did. That's what Oregon did. Yeah, today was like the all of that investment and all that building showing substance, right? Like showing that it's, it's actually created what you were intending to create. Because um, you, again, have now cemented yourself in, in one of the top two, but arguably the most powerful conference in all of college athletics. You're aligned with some of the largest brands. I mean, not some of, like, Ohio State is arguably the largest brand in college football, I mean, college athletics. And, again, it just sets you up. Like, there's been, like, when we talk about, like, all of the momentum that's been building behind this Oregon program over the last 25 years. But even if we were to narrow that scope down to since Dan Lanning has been hired, um, just the investment, the like everybody in the Oregon administration athletic department is rowing the same direction. I mean, we've gotten really lucky, like president Schill went to Northwestern. We're seeing how incompetent that man is. Um, and we hired this awesome new, um, 
president. We have a fantastic athletic director. We have Phil Knight. Um, we have, I think we have our guy as the head coach for a long time in place right now. Uh, and, and really the only thing that has kind of been a speed bump in this ascent in this like kind of the, this pull in, in, in the direction of becoming a truly elite program was when USC and UCLA left the conference and there was that cloud of uncertainty that hung over the program from a recruiting standpoint, um, from a financial standpoint. And obviously Phil Knight has a lot of money and he can subsidize a lot of things, but that's not, that's not something that's sustainable forever. Um, and so now the biggest objection that we've been facing on the recruiting trail, when we've been going in head to head battles against these programs that like a USC who was already in the big 10 and Ohio state and Michigan, uh, or some of the schools that are in the sec was, well, Oregon could end up in the mountain West, blah, blah, blah. Like, again, we all knew it was bullshit and we all knew it was, um, it was just propaganda to, to help on the trail, but now it's complete. It's a useless bullet. Right. In fact, I think it's undermined the credibility of some staffs around the country, uh, when you consider like wh- where Oregon is now, right. And, and this massive contract, this unprecedented contract that Dan Lanning has the the, um, the proverbial, um, landing strip has cleared and Oregon is now ascended to like truly a top 15 program sustainably going into the future in all of college athletics, um, specifically college football. That's what we care about. Um, but now with the, with the financing, you still have Phil, you still have all that of the, the, this incredible booster support division street is undoubtedly one of, if not the best NIL collective in all of college football, um, you have your guy locked up a head coach for the foreseeable future. Him and his family are committed to the town and the area. You now are going to have the finances to ward off anyone who really comes. Like the the list of jobs better than Oregon and college football has now shrunk substantially. Um, and it, yeah. to me, it's just a, it's a vindicating moment, and it's a really really important day that I think we're going to look back on in three to five to ten to fifteen years and say this is this is when Oregon cemented itself. We've, we've watched the rise. We've watched Oregon compete at a high level. Now Oregon is there to stay um, for however long college football exists in this format. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. And, and I mean, we talked a lot about, you know, we all, on our last show, right, we talked a lot about what this will mean for Oregon and, and all of those things. So we don't need to repeat ourselves. I thought the way you just captured that, it was really, really well. And go back and listen to our last show if you want to hear even more about what this could mean, right? We were saying what this could mean, what this might mean, and now it does mean. Um, I just want to, like, talk about one of the things that became, that was already known, but became, like, jarringly and glaringly clear to me today was the difference between having a real conference network that covers the conference versus having what we've had for the last 12 years. Uh, The big 10 network was basically all day, had all day live coverage uh, from their network studios with their network anchors and, and analysts and everybody else in streaming in and out, talking about this move all day long tweeting out stats about Oregon's national championship lists by sport, you know, over, you know, over, over history, right. Which numbers almost 30, uh, tweeting out Oregon's football, um, you know, accomplishments, you know, compared to the rest of college football over the last, you know, two decades. Right. I mean, it's just like, Oh my God, this is what a real conference looks like and what a real conference network looks like. And it's, it's the contrast is so glaring. 
Oh yeah, it's it's incredible, right? Like when you think, and that's why that's why I think I don't I don't even think a lot of Oregon fans realize what this is going to do for the brand. Like we already, like Bruce Feldman said it earlier today on the Audible podcast. He talked about how, um, like Oregon, like you talk about those four million plus games, and that's the big ticket for the Big Ten. When Oregon matches up with Penn State or Michigan or USC or Ohio State or in a lot of these big programs, and I actually think that this is going to elevate the Oregon-Washington um, rivalry even more. Like I think the viewership, just because of the of the quality of brand that we're going to play on a week-to-week basis, is going to be so much better. And then you think about the the time slots that are being provided by this media deal. I mean, we we went from like the dumps and the in the poverty wow. of college football to truly the riches like we have especially just to generational yeah. wealth especially with what that what that coverage was about to look like so that's just running down the, the big 10 coverage obviously you know you and i probably know what the their contract looks like and their media deal looks like from a uh from a tv partner and time slot standpoint but a lot of our listeners might so i'll just capture it real quick so the big 10 a year or so ago signed a, a new agreement with three three different network partners um, so their time slots look like this. They have, and, and all, th- it was really unique in that they have, it's a more of an NFL model, right? So they have signed with multiple, with three different, um, national carriers and each of those carriers has a Saturday slot that they get an exclusive window in for big 10 games. So Fox has the, you know, if you think about TV, TV, college football Saturday, there's essentially four, four time slots, right? There's the, the early time slot and we'll talk pacific time because that's where we are so 9 a.m games then you've got the 12 30 time slot which is your second window and then you've got the third window which is kind of you know prime time east coast um in in oregon you know four to five window right kick kickoffs between four to five and then you've got that fourth window late night window that we're all so familiar with out here in the west so the the big 10 fox owns the rights to televise games at the 9 a.m. slot, the big noon kickoff, right? Oregon played in this time slot when we went to Ohio State a couple of years ago, the big noon kickoff game. So that's the 9 a.m. game. Fox, CBS, this year is a little different as the they have both the Big Ten deal and the, the last year of the SEC deal. So, um, But if you fast forward to 2024, which is when Oregon and USC and UCLA and Washington join, the, 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 the CBS will televise the 12.30 p.m kickoff west coast time 3 30 p.m east coast time um which is the old sec time slot right on C- sec on cbs have, you know that will be now a big 10 game every week at that time slot and then nbc has the third window game so that's the the prime time prime time east coast 5 p.m you know 4 p.m west coast time on nbc and so those are locked in time slots you know for window one window two window three every week so Unlike what has has been true in all of college football outside of the SEC and CBS, where you don't necessarily know which conference is going to be on which network at, at each time slot of the day, the Big Ten has negotiated it. So Big Ten fans and fans of college football know, oh, the big, you know, at the first window, I turn to this channel to watch Big Ten. Doesn't matter. They don't even have to know what game's on. Uh, same thing in, in the second window, same thing in the third window. So those and are you're going to have genuinely windows. massive matchups in oh, yeah. all of these windows all the time. Right. And then beyond that, they have a Peacock deal that's about half a season. So about, you know, half the weeks of the year, they have a, a Friday night game on Peacock streaming, which is a Washington, Michigan State will be on that this year, for example. It's because it's Michigan State, you know, is a home game for them. So 
that Big Ten owns those rights. Um, you know, so that's a that's a game that you know, it, it, you know, a team could be on your team might be on that you know once a year, you know, once every other year kind of thing in that in that window. Um, and then and then um, and then you of course have the Big Ten Network, right? And you have FS1, right? So Fox owns Fox Sports Network, so FS1 will have some amount of Big Ten games. Those those the time windows of those could fluctuate, right? Just depending on the schedule of the day. And then the Big Ten Network will carry. The games all day, right? So at every window, you know, certainly the first three windows, there'll there'll be a big a game on the Big Ten Network, right? So and guess what? You can actually get the Big Ten Network. I know this it's is nationwide. Like, like yeah, I was gonna say the uh, the um, there's like a like a dirty little like like conference network is a dirty word for Pac-12 fans, but if like your cable package has the Big Ten Network or your YouTube TV package or your or whatever you use, right? sling or i don't know i don't care what you use like you're going to be able to watch those games and so um again i'm just really really excited about that and like the the windows the time slots the matchups that are going to exist this is going to be a really really cool thing for the ducks yeah yeah totally and then there's there's talk now that what this could do uh especially with fox kicking in you know the money to to pay for oregon and washington because it's not coming out of the, the existing school's pockets is it, it does give Fox the ability to televise games in the fourth window now uh, that would be on the West Coast, right? So games hosted by Oregon, Washington, UCLA, or USC um, can be televised on on not not FS1, but actual Big Fox, right? And 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 all four of those schools are tentpole schools from a from a you know rate rating standpoint. And then obviously, if they're playing, if Oregon's hosting. Wisconsin and that gets put on that fourth window game or Nebraska, like that game is going to blow out whatever ESPN has going in the fourth window. Uh, oh, hundred percent for, for the big for the Big Twelve, most likely, right? It, yep. It's 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 not even it's not even a contest. And then Fox doesn't even have to necessarily do that every week, right? They can look at their schedule and say we're going to have eight of those because we got baseball and other things we're going to do the other times of the year, right? But they but having that option is is why they probably one of the reasons why they probably did this and not only that and this is something i actually just came was thinking about doug is with the rule changes games are going to get shorter and so you actually could see these these time frames the windows change a little bit and condense and move forward and so the the late window actually i think is going to be earlier in the day than what we're used to i don't think it's going to be a 7 p.m pacific kickoff um I think it might be more of a six or six thirty, or you know what i mean so uh um, yeah i, yeah, I think that, that will yeah, sorry, especially for the Big Ten, right? Because their 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 other fan base that's out on the road to the West Coast is going to you know want, would be much better if they could kick that game off at six Central Time versus seven Central Time or whatever. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are um, joined uh, right now by James Crepia of the Oregonian. Dropping James. in live. Mick Dropping in live. Who invited this guy? <laughs> well, you know, I, I listened the last, was it the last episode of the one before, where, you know, you were calling me out for philosophical differences. 
Um, and well, I just couldn't take for being wrong. Um, well, the thing is, is to, to, <laughs> just to contextualize for folks who didn't catch for the for the non avid listener, for the non podcast subscriber. Oh no, no, our I, our listeners listen to. I, I know. I am sure they. I I don't regret. As as said, listener, I I understand entirely. Um, but you know, as usual, uh, uh, you misattribute uh, where I was going. <laughs> All I was stating in our uh, previous conversations uh, in in regarding punt returners and uh, who can and can't be back there in college football was twofold. One, in a historical context, the caliber of eventual first and second round picks from mega powerhouses like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, et al., uh, who had had tremendous players uh, previously and currently in those roles. Now, the counter-argument that there is further depth there uh, and they could they could even afford to lose one of those players is not lost on me. But the ultimate the thing... So you get where I was going. where I was going, that. yes. But ultimately, the big part was I was expressing the Belichickian uh, position, which you did not relay in the podcast, so this is why I am uh, contextualizing, <laughs> that, and I realized, well, that's the NFL. They can go and get somebody the next day. Again, not lost on me. But the Belichickian position was that, uh, you know, I can't worry about who can get hurt and only worry about the negative. My job is to go out and put the best players in the best position in order to win football games. So yeah, hey, that's and, that. And James, I don't, I don't disagree with that. But if we're playing Rutgers, I don't want our best corner turning punts. Are you really worried? Well, that yeah, okay. okay even now, are you on. really worried that someone from Rutgers is going to injure uh, <laughs> one of Oregon's? Yeah. <laughs> I, I watched Patrick okay. Chung. Get, yeah. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna drop this and we're gonna talk about the actual important stuff. But fine, we can agree to disagree, James. And philosophically, I think all things being equal, I, I yeah, I still disagree. All right, moving forward. I, well, yeah, I was expressing the position. I didn't say whether I agreed or disagreed. I was just saying, you know, I totally understand where you're coming from. In some positions, I don't totally disagree at all. But I, as a whole, totally understand where the Belichick position comes from. On that, hey. You know what? Put the best guy back there, and I, I can't worry about it. For for punt returns, when it's six to eight plays a season, like let's let's keep it in context. That's all. But anywho, okay, James, James, okay, let's get back to the business of realignment. So yes. uh, obviously, I think everybody knows kind of what happened. You know, Oregon's in the Big Ten, play by play, all that. Like, is there any? You know, do you have any existing background you can share, or maybe? I mean, I know you were at the press conference today, so. Anything coming out of there that we may not have heard or seen? Obviously, tout your own your own work and promote where you can be seen and everything as well. Well, sure. Well, for uh, at this point, it's it's uh, at least mildly dated by way of uh, a story, but it was quite literally last night at uh, just shy of midnight. Um, as I've been chasing down for the better part of the week, uh, and I'm hardly alone in this regard. As all the realignment stuff was going on. Uh, particularly leading into Colorado's departure and then in the days since and the week since, yeah, I was trying to get a sense of where things did stand at Oregon at the time in order to try and nail down and provide context and uh, whatnot of, of where things stood. Uh, and finally, and it you know, literally took until pretty much midnight uh, Thursday night, but be that as it may, um, you're done when you're done. Um, yeah, I was able to put out that, you know, yeah, it's kind of stating the obvious to be sure, but yes, that if an invite from the Big Ten came, that Oregon was going to take it. And, you know, that's how we were able to further the story at that point. 
again, no matter how obvious it may seem, remember at that point, again, we're talking Friday night now, so it's a Thursday night, while the Arizona Board of Regents was meeting, and then in the immediate aftermath, there were the reports out of there about whether Arizona or Arizona State and where their relative positions were and where Michael Crow stood in the process and where they were on board or not. or So again, like, well, it may seem obvious they're going to go to the Big 12, and they have, but again, roughly 22 hours ago, there was a lot of conjecture that Arizona State may or may not be able to go to the Big 12, either that they'll stop at 14 or that Michael Crow will be an impediment or whatever. So again, stating the obvious that Oregon is going to accept an invite if it got it, you know, yeah, again, it states it's pretty clear, but you know, it provided that much more clarity, along with a little bit more by way of context of the situation of some things that were going on uh, at, the, at relative recently, as, as well as over the last year plus uh, regarding realignment and regarding uh, the the players involved uh, from an Oregon perspective in terms of, yes, as anyone would naturally think, Phil Knight was involved. Yes, he was uh, quite a bit. Um, I can't speak to every level of detail because I don't have that specifically, uh, but he was very, very involved from my understanding of things and talking to several people uh, on the back end of things and with awareness of what was going on. Uh, yeah, he was heavily involved and he was looking out for uh, the interests of the institution and the athletic department and the university in all ways over the last, like I say, year plus, as well, he always has, but certainly over the last uh, year plus, ever since the LA schools had made the move. And that went into uh, retaining the uh, consulting firm Navigate, uh, which I honestly don't know if that had been reported before or not. Uh, it, it's not necessarily earth shattering that uh, consultants would be retained by any number of places, but they were. Uh, and Rob Mullins talked today about you know, some of the data that they provide, some of the insights, you know, evaluations and metrics and all the kind of inside baseball stuff. So that when a decision, when it was time to make a decision that Oregon had the best information uh, possible in order to gauge whether or not they were, where they were getting relative to market value uh, based on the information that they had, uh, along with other insights and stuff that they just had proprietary information and et cetera. So part of the process uh, like I say, some details in the story that we were report last night, overnight. Um, now, the interesting part to me was at the beginning of Friday, uh, for most people on the West Coast, at least, you know, in the 6 and 7 a.m. hours uh, Pacific time. James, that was before Doug was awake, apparently, because I called him. This well, I, mean, chat. I think he was on. I think Doug was on spaces until like one or two in the morning. Um, so you know, God, what a degenerate! Holy I gotta say, I mean, you guys really lay the charge usually, but uh, <laughs> so we, we uh, uh, somewhere between six and seven a.m. somewhere in that general ballpark, there were the back and forth reports, and again, like this is conference realignment, guys. We've gone through this before um, in other places and other contexts. Uh, Information is fluid. Um, it, it is. But there was from multiple national outlets. Uh, so I'm not calling out anybody or, or, you know, whatnot. You know, you go on the information you get from reliable sources. But there was this conjecture out there to multiple national uh, college sports reporters that uh, 
Oregon had, you know, whatever, whatever the momentum was to towards their leaving, that suddenly there was a reversal, that the feeling entering this meeting of Pac-12 presidents and chancellors this morning was that the grant of rights was going to be presented and signed, that whatever they was building towards Oregon and Washington leaving, there had been an about face overnight. Now, I'm not saying that people didn't say that, but that had just no bearing in reality. Well, yeah, that we, we went over that. And like, I know I was calming a lot of Duck fans down this morning over that. It was like, yeah, what if it smells like shit, it's probably shit, right? Like it, this is, this is one of those things where I, I think it was more about controlling optics, right? Like I, I think Oregon and maybe it wasn't Oregon, maybe it was Fox wanted it to seem like it was a very difficult decision and it wasn't predatory in any way. Again, I think it was, I think it was an optics play to possibly I, help avoid well, I, potential I, Honestly, I can't, no, I, I, I can't say, well, it, <laughs> Without knowing whose people's sources are for that information, and and again, like I, you know, I, I'm not neither here nor there. But bottom line is, while it has no basis in reality, when Rob says only a couple of hours ago that you know the process, you know, it really intensified over the last 24 hours and uh, really kind of culminated in the early morning hours. There was no reversal to be had. In the early morning hours, he's talking about yeah. that reached finality at that point. So, the, who well, and that's, it, that's if there, you're, you know, it, it wouldn't be from an Oregon perspective because then he's turned around and saying, "No, that's when it went. That's that's when it got done." In our but eyes. James, that's also that's also taking him at face value. Like, do you think genuinely? Do you think that Oregon is signing Dan Lanning to an eight million dollar a year base well, salary uh, contract? Uh, uh, yes, to, to, without some kind of indication that they're going to end up in the Big Ten. To the general premise that. Uh, uh, and and by the way, like when was that contract negotiated, and, and how far back does that go? Um, That's what know, I'm saying. I think tracing back to certain things so. from people I've talked to, I think that this has been in the works for uh, over a month, and I think that the like it became very final within the last 16 days. I again, I wouldn't ha- have reason to doubt. Uh, that to some degree, because yeah, to your point, as many people pointed out over the last uh, week plus, that yeah, would you really institutionally uh, sign uh, and negotiate such a deal? And if you're damn, would you agree to such a deal without, you know, profound confidence uh, that things are going to reach where they got? And that's why I was able to report last night and talking to multiple people over the course of the last week, uh, albeit after Dan's contract got done, that there was this quiet confidence from people because people didn't want to be declarative and get in front of it in that way and be too presumptive and, and whatnot. This is obviously a massive occasion. Uh, so it, why I, I described it as quiet confidence, because that was how multiple people in varying different capacities uh, expressed their feeling on how things had gone, how things were going and where things were going to go. And depending on who you talk to in terms of how things had gone and when the timeline for that had begun, uh, effectively, that's why I give the framework of going back to the L.A. schools leaving and that being kind of the obviously the onset of the process and where things kind of go from there. So what was that the trigger to automatically say, oh, go back 13 plus months. And then obviously uh, uh, Oregon was always intent on getting to. Uh, the Pac-12, uh, out of the Pac-12, rather, to the Big Ten, to that point, I mean, who wouldn't? You know, that's a, it's an aspirational goal, but I don't doubt the genuine nature of 
uh, higher ups at Oregon combined with across the Pac-12 in that I do genuinely believe that a whole lot of people in this league or what was this league uh, really wanted to try to stay together. Yeah, I I think that is apparent. That if <laughs> there you, was if, if there you, was such if you a deal, followed this at all, yeah, yeah. that if there was such a deal, because ultimately, like how it basically comes down to how cynical do you want to be at any level, and any fan can have that to whatever degree. Oregon fans can have that and say we were always going to get there. Now, now that you know how where, where the road ends, and opposing fans who were jaded and ticked off at you for the way things went will say, oh, well, you always knew you were always uh, uh, being superficial about it and disingenuous, and it was all in bad faith and whatever. All right. Well, that's whatever. Point is, is how jaded and cynical do you want to get in that? So what? They they strung along San Diego State out of pure malice just to toy around. I mean, how how far? Do you, no, how, how many different no, accomplices I, were involved here? Like, I don't think on. that's true. That's I what I said. Like, I think I think there. I think, I think there was. I think there was a genuine effort on everyone's part, you know, to try to come up with something that would work. And I would include Oregon in that. But but simultaneously, particularly over the last several months, as it became increasingly apparent that things were not good, that everyone started also planning, you know, for plan A and plan B and plan C and contingencies that they needed to plan to take care of themselves. And here's the deal. Like it was no secret that Oregon wanted to be in the big 10 from the beginning, right? Like now, whether or not we were going to be able to come in at full members, there's a lot of things that were going on as full members. There's a lot of things that went with that. Um, But I think that like what ultimately caused this was the uncertainty in the fact that Oregon was unwilling to commit to long-term vision of the conference, right? Like Oregon and Washington, whether it was now or 2030, we're going to be leaving. Right. And I think that's what ended up moving Colorado. I think that's what ended up moving Arizona. Um, And, and, and I think that really that's what caused the demise of the conference is as much as from a, from a philosophical standpoint, we would have loved to keep the comp, keep the band together and keep doing our thing out here. Um, realistically, what was in the best interest of the program was Oregon always being in a position to keep, to remain flexible and move when the time was right. Um, and so the conference was doomed based on that, right? Like, cause it was paradoxical to think that Oregon was committed to the conference, but also hiring, um, uh, consultant firms to give themselves the best idea of, of what kind of leverage they would have in a negotiation with the big 10. Yeah, and ultimately, look. I mean, if the if there was a deal to be had that was worthwhile for the ten members that were still left, if there really was a deal worth it at any point over the last year, and we can all go back and revisit during the exclusive negotiating window of roughly a, a year yeah. to about the Big Twelve 10, deal, the Big Twelve well, deal, the, right? The big yeah, before your mark jumped in front of them, and every which other thing that. There are a lot of different exit ramps off this thing that could have been taken that ultimately, you know, you ran into a dead end eventually. Um, but that's why I say, like, I don't think that taking the most jaded approach that like, oh, ever since the L.A. schools left, uh, Oregon and Washington were, were always motivated to go to the Big Ten and doing everything in bad faith or something like, no, I don't believe that at all. Because one, because I have no reason to believe that. And two, because and I'm and I'm a pretty you know cynical guy, but quite honestly, but I don't I don't believe that because, like I say, the sheer volume of other people who got roped in and institutions who got roped in and people who really elsewhere like Mark Harlan at Utah, who I am sure was quite let down over the last week and a half, two weeks by how things went. 
not saying that they're not ultimately happy that with their opportunity going forward in the Big 12, but that they really did want to try and stick together. And that oh, Utah right. yeah, that was the shining 100%. example of how conference realignment could, could work for an institution, that not everything's you know doom and gloom and terrible and you're going to be less competitive, that they were the shining light of like, you can do this and be successful. And they had been in multiple sports. Like I, I thought they really genuinely wanted to stay. And I had talked to multiple ADs during basketball season while I was traveling covering Oregon. Uh, you know, I was trying to, to maximize those opportunities and put in some time with ADs. And Mark was one of them. Rick George is one of them. Uh, Dave Hickey was one of them. And talked to multiple ADs along the way. And like I say, like in those conversations, getting perspective on any number of issues within the league. And these were pretty lengthy conversations. And yeah, people were talking about, we want to know numbers. We want to hear about linear. 100% streaming is not going to work. Right. But no one was like, Hey, you know, we, we know where this is going to head. Like, you know, we're looking for the best deal for now, but five, six years from now, we're just going to be doing this again. And we know that some people are going to break away. Nobody yeah. said that. Nobody said that. They, can I, you know. can I move over to the financials real quick? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I know we, we probably have about 10 more minutes here before. Well, we I mean, you guys can go beyond what I stay. I mean, that's not a problem at all. Okay. But I, I think um, I really want to be here for the financial talk. <laughs> yeah, no, I wanted to, I wanted to get to that. So, I mean, obviously James, uh, you know, the, the 30 million number was reported. Like, first of all, we were here in 35 to 40 and then the 30 million number seemed to be the more recent reporting 30 million. And then with, with an extra million per year for the length of the deal, which would be six years in Oregon's case. Um, that's an average of 32.5, which is slightly higher than the big 12 number starts a year earlier, ends a year earlier. Is that in your understanding, is that number accurate? So the number that the president uh, stated, um, and again, because of the way the press conference was, it was not really conducive to attempting to get further clarification. But you know, we've got we've got some time to to sort this out, to say the least. Um, the number that he stated was that, yeah, you could start basically at the roughly thirty number that had been reported. I think Matt Fortuna might have been the first to, to report that. Yes, so he correct. did report it, but I don't, I don't know if he's first. I believe he's first. Um, and that it would go up a million a year and that uh, the Big Ten would allow for up to, I believe, up to 10 million of future payments to be taken uh, in advance and, and basically credited um, uh, going forward if need be. Which is probably a much bigger deal for, for Washington, Washington than, than for Oregon, yes. Um, but the, the number that uh, the new president claimed was that over what he said was over the 10 years of the deal, which in and of itself yeah. brings up certain questions, Maybe, but yeah, a lot of questions, let's put that aside on, on for a deal a that lasts six years. Yeah. For, let's just put that, you know, framework aside for a second um, over that, um, that they believe they'll average uh, either approximately or just over 50. Um, now, if you extrapolate and say he's talking about a 10-year horizon where you do include the next media rights right. window and what the full share portion of whatever that projection is starts to be, uh, I mean, it would take a lot to pull up, you know, 30 I, 
two and yeah. 33 and 34, I suppose, but I, I can't rule it out. Like, I mean, it, it, if, it's, the new, it's if the new deal start, uh, so the, the current deal for the other two schools averages 62.5 by my math. So it means it starts in the mid to high fifties ends in the mid, mid to high sixties. If the new deal starts at 70 million, then if you add four years of the new deal to the 32.5 times six in the existing deal, then your average is essentially 48, 48 and a half, 49 million per year. So I think that's how you get there. Um, just well, doing some, all, some rough also math. There's, there's other rights, right? That are like, yeah, that's not, just non, the media. Yeah. Yeah. But um, one thing too, is there's the option for Oregon to take a $10 million advance on their future rights, Yeah, which I think makes a lot of sense. Right. Because like, if, let's say, let's say it is $32 million year one. Um, being at 42 and then four, you know what I mean? And then only having a $10 million deficit against your peers on the next contract for however many years was it? Six years. I, I think that makes sense to, to, to be more competitive in the shorter term. Yeah. So, uh, but also yeah, like, with, so with having Phil, a 30 right? million. Okay, go ahead. What I was going to say with Phil, like now that you have, like, you know, when you're going to be a full member. So like, if you need to subsidize a gap, you know, it's a short term fix um, for boosters. Yeah, I mean, ultimately yeah, taking that, that advance whenever if you if you chose to do it, and I don't think that's really something Oregon's going to necessarily have to pursue for the reasons you just outlined. You're, you're just you're, you're just paying yourself off in the future, so like you, you still eventually you you have to basically make up for the difference. If you take ten million from what you're supposed to get one, two, three years from now, you're just going to get less that number when the time comes. So. One way or another, you're you're subsidizing again. Yeah, either way, so, it's, yeah. So the, it, the, basically, the, from a math standpoint, compared to your peers, if you don't take the loan, you're twenty five to thirty million less than your peers for the first six years, and then even beyond. If you do take the ten million per year, you're at twenty million deficit in the first six years, and ten million deficit for the next four or six or however long it takes you to pay it off. So and like to and to me, like either way, the athletic department's gonna be operate operating with much more cash than it's used to in the short term. And then let's say they don't take the loan in the long term, I mean who knows what that media deal is going to look like in twenty thirty. Yeah. Um but you're gonna be in a situation where you're probably I I would be surprised if it wasn't closer to like seventy five or eighty million dollars by that point. Right. And then it's like holy shit, we've just hit the jackpot and that's why you make this move now right like you want to get you want to start the maturation of your of your um your entrance into the conference now it's like vesting in stock right like you want to get that started as soon as possible yeah and that goes both ways that was where part of the conversation um over the last week or so of of well why why does the big 10 have to add now and it just go it's the basic concept you know, buy low, buy low. That's yeah. They're getting a massive discount. Like yeah. there's no way that, or like this is the collapsing conference discount that big, the big 10 is getting. Cause there's no way that you can tell me that like what that, what the search for, not the search firm, but what the consulting firm came up with for Oregon's media valuation on a, on is TV, the average of the big 12. Yeah. Ex- yeah. That's not, <laughs> that's not the case. So that's what that, but like, that's why you do this now. If you're, it makes sense for both parties to do this now for that reason. Right. Because Oregon best sooner um, becomes a full member. Cause even if it had, this had waited till 2030, Oregon wasn't going to be a full member in that media deal either. I don't think that there was any situation where Oregon was coming in as a full member. So just doing this now, ripping off the bandaid makes the most sense. Yeah. And to say nothing of obviously whatever the difference is going to be with 
whether it was this version of the Pac-12 deal, a different version, or really just about anything else they were going to come up with. I, I don't think that, I mean, substantively, I don't think that there was any deal that was actually going to make, if, if it was going to make more money, it would have been marginal. And then when you factor for the long-term appreciation of the Big Ten membership, it's not close. Oh, no, no. Yeah, that, that, that absolutely. Yes, there was, the, the, the long-term upside is un, unmatched, and that, that, yeah, and in the short term, at the worst case, you're revenue neutral. And there's also no guarantee that in 2030 rolls around that Oregon would have gotten an invite, right? Like, I think that striking now why the iron's hot, because I don't know, my my concern with this was, is being on a 100% streaming deal with Apple, what would that do to the value of Oregon's media rights over the next six years? Like, to me, that is not a, like, that was that would have been a massive gamble. Um, and so, again, I just, I'm going to sleep so well tonight knowing that this is done. Like, it's done the, the future is cemented in a lot of ways. Um, again, like I, I'm not really worried about Oregon having a deficit in terms of media um, revenues against Illinois or Rutgers or Maryland or any of these teams, frankly, um, in the short term, not even really USC or UCLA. There's plenty of money flowing through the athletic department as is. Um, and the investment, I think, from boosters is only going to be I think that I think boosters are going to be more excited to give money now considering the future of the program being so stable. Give money, spend on tickets, spend on any number of things. Update stadiums. It's yeah. just, it's... The quality of the games are going to just be so much better. Well, yeah, I mean, like when you think I, that's what I'm going to be interested to see. And this is something we could have uh, James on for a whole nother episode about is like just kind of having some fun talking about the future. But I think that this is going to raise Oregon's average viewership on a weekly basis by over a million. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think, can, I think yeah, what I mean, we're going to find out is Oregon's brand actually is that much bigger than people realize because it's just been getting watered down by playing all these shitty little brands in the Pac-12 on a weekly basis. If yeah, you, when, when you're, bringing, when you're bringing 85% of the viewership in some of these games, like, you know, assuming you're for the Big Ten, the sake of, you might be bringing 45. I mean, for, assuming for the sake of argument, I mean, Washington is still Washington. And, but just assuming for the sake of argument, just for, for fun, that the Big Ten goes to a one-eight scheduling format, just for argument's sake, makes the most sense. It, make, it makes the most but... sense, but whether you know, but sense doesn't necessarily rue the day all the time. But, but let's just for for convenience of the conversation. All right, well, Washington's Washington, but you're going to get one of the LAs, you're going to get one of the Michigans, assuming based on some premise of geography, you may get either Ohio State or Penn State. So. And and from there, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, so that's four home games Nebraska. Right, right, so yeah. point, this is like, so in a given year, you're either hosting or traveling to Washington. You're either hosting or traveling to one of the LA schools. You're either hosting or traveling to Ohio State or Penn State. You're either hosting or traveling to a Michigan or Michigan State. You're either hosting or traveling to an Indiana or Purdue. You're either hosting or traveling Wisconsin, to a Maryland or Wisconsin Rutgers. or Minnesota, yeah, like, or Nebraska, or yeah, like so, or Iowa. Iowa. So the point is, is like you compare, like what is the worst case scenario of a home game schedule? And you compare that up against, quite literally, the I, best case scenario every, of what, yeah, <laughs> of what the home game offered. offered. Um, and it, I would think it has to be, to your point, you'd be like, from a pure viewing standpoint, where it's all games regardless. I, I mean, you got to be kidding. Yeah. So uh, put just to add another context on that, the the 2020 COVID season was going to be the best home schedule probably in the history of Oregon Absolutely, football. Without and question. It would, have, without it would have featured Ohio State. USC and Washington as the three pillars of that home slate. 
along with a North Dakota State game happen. that was going to be sold out. And oh, yeah. And yeah. 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 So that and that, of course, didn't happen. But right. every everything you just described would be better than that schedule. And that would have been the best schedule in Oregon history. Yep. hundred percent. And I think I, I was talking to Doug about this and I'd be interested to get your take on this, James. I actually think that the Oregon Washington, I think that being in the big 10 is going to actually help the Oregon Washington rivalry from a viewership standpoint. I think it's going to drive more intrigue. I think, I think it's kind of a little secret still just because of the way that the PAC 12 has been marketed. Yeah. I think in the, I think in the big 10 that that rivalry will actually flourish more from a viewership standpoint and help both brands. I agree because again, Yes, there's plenty of years where it's been on ABC. I'm not going to act like it hasn't. But you're either going to put that, well, it won't be big noon because that'll be 9 a.m., but you could be looking at that on CBS. Yeah. You could be looking at that on NBC primetime. How are you going to compare those windows in the years that that game is played then or when they play USC in one of those windows, or when they play Ohio State in one of those windows, or Michigan, or Wisconsin, or whoever. How can you possibly compare the opportunity to play in the new CBS Big Ten window in those markets with that population concentration compared to any conference Pac-12 game? Well, not only that, but when you think about like like if, if it's a meaningful game too, right? Because if it's playing in that window, it's likely a meaningful game. Right. But when, when you're comparing the intrigue to much larger fan bases on a much larger scale where the, where the Big Ten is essentially, like in my opinion, their media deal is way better than the SEC's because they've essentially monopolized the best, the best windows in college football. Um, from from a from a uh, from a media partner standpoint with CBS, NBC, you know, three, and Fox, three networks. Yeah, the, yep, C- the saying, CBS but... part is the 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 make or break. I mean, that's the humongous one because up yeah. on a conference level, because it's the standalone window. Yeah, that's the yep. That's... I, but so, just like, yeah, go ahead, QB, finish your thought. But no, I just I was just gonna say, like, I think that the Big Ten has done a fantastic job in structuring that deal that they've basically monopolized the three biggest network windows. Um, and so, like, I think that that's gonna drive additional viewership from from parts of the country that might not have had the same intrigue in west coast games yeah these massive big 10 fan bases are not just going to watch oregon when their team is playing oregon they're, they're now competing against oregon for you know so they're going to watch just like they watch the other big 10 teams you know when after their game's over or before their game starts they're going to tune in to watch the games that oregon's involved in too yes exactly so i think like the, i think that this has like an exponential aspect to it again i'm not saying that oregon's gonna pull six million viewers a game like like ohio state does but i i i do i can see a world very easily where oregon is well into averaging close to three million viewers a game regardless of opponent in big 10 play and i think oregon will have several four plus million viewer games whether it's a usc game a penn state game michigan ohio state i mean i mean there's a lot of really powerful brands in this conference. And I think like, like even neglecting to talk about like teams like Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, I know they don't play the most attractive style of football to most West coast fans, but those fan bases are enormous and extremely passionate. Like I like, we're, we're going to talk more about, about uh, big 10 stadium experiences and stuff later. And I can't wait to get on the road and James, I'm sure you're just licking your chops yeah. um, to get, to get out to these environments. Uh, but like, I can't wait. Oh, wait, 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 I, I hold on. I mean, James, come on, you know, you're going to be disappointed to not sit in Stanford or Cal stadium you know, <laughs> or, 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 or Pullman or Tucson or right, come on I mean, that. Like, 
Iowa, Death Valley, or not Death Valley, sorry, Happy Valley, they can't compare to that. Look. Sitting I, in an empty Stanford there, Stadium. I, there will be, I can't wait to go to Kinnick. There, there will, yeah, there will be things of, of massive upside there. And, and here's the other part in terms of, yeah, we can point out certainly the ones where it's clunky. Look, it doesn't preclude and mean that in, in all for all going forward time that Oregon is never going to play Cal or Stanford in something. Frankly, mm-hmm. I'd imagine that in some sports, particularly like women's basketball, that Oregon and Stanford will probably play quite often. Um, yeah. No matter what ends up happening, uh, in well, softball in- it might do that. In basketball, I have a very strong suspicion that Oregon and Arizona will still manage to play each other with some degree of frequency, um, because I- after all, it's still an, a cost-effective business to still play someone a little, a little bit closer. Now, if the conference is bringing you teams from the East Coast, um, yeah, I think some of those will stand out. But for football purposes, yeah, absolutely. Um, to, to have the, you know, the trade up by way of competition, setting, environment, uh, scale of fans and viewership and readership and et cetera. Um, yeah, it's, it's good for, it's good for my business too. Yes. The, well, yeah, I mean, shoot, you have way more job security now than if we were potentially going to be in, <laughs> I mean, I think that the intrigue around the program is just going to continue to grow. I think this is, again, I think this is like a, um, a cementing of Oregon as a top, 15, 12, possibly 10 brand in college, in college football now. Like, I really think this is elevates Oregon's brand um, in substantial ways and cements it too. Um, but besides that point, you had already mentioned, I saw a tweet the other day from you about like kind of what this does to Oregon's non-conference schedule over the next year, next years with uh, Michigan state, obviously no longer going to be on the schedule. We can't play FCS teams anymore. I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Oregon to schedule teams from the former PAC 12 and some of those non-con windows and i think that they'll be incentivized to do so um so i could see oregon like scheduling a stanford or scheduling a cal or even one of the schools that have moved on to the big 12 um to replace some of the big 10 non-con games they need to replace um and then obviously oregon state i would assume ends up being a permanent non-conference rival which kind of makes up for the fcs games that are lost yeah and we'll see exactly in terms of you know so so for one like i you know we weren't going to get into it today because like you want to talk about like way in the weeds and and down the road detail that has just time to sort itself out. But yeah, the big 10 allows FCS games only insofar as one, if they were previously contracted, but two, that uh, it, 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 well, they first outlawed them entirely back in 2013, but then they kind of created a caveat of, well, if you only have four conference home games, will allow you in those years to throw an FCS game on there as your home game basically is if that's what you want to do in order to get the the seventh home game or sixth, theoretically, um, it's permissible. Um, and if you want to take the risk in terms of strength of schedule and doing that, then okay. So they open the door a crack. Not everybody's doing it. Um, I don't know if Oregon will look to do that down the road, but in the five FCS games they presently have scheduled, on one hand, will they be permitted to keep all five? Do they want to keep all five? And if they're only permitted in the years where they're going to have four Big Ten Conference home games, will they keep them in those years or will they have to get rid of them? Again, a conversation for a later day. But ultimately, if you're going to try and pour in all this money and resources, if there's conversation about uh, a stadium expansion, renovation, or both, you don't do those things to then bring in you know, Eastern Washington in 2032. 
Um, you're, you're trying to attract and bring in bigger and better. You're trying to set up home and homes with SEC teams going forward, um, maybe with a Big 12 team going forward. And then I think that's kind of how this manifests. Like yeah. you have a group of five, you have Oregon State. Well, Oregon State might be your perpetual group of five. Um, with that bombshell, I'm going to hop off. You guys can keep going. I'm just going to mute and leave my computer on so that this uh, uploads, Doug. And then, uh, I, James, we will obviously touch base here soon. For sure. Good catching up with you as always. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yep. Have a good one, guys. And uh, yeah, we'll, thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll keep it going here for, for a couple of minutes, but I've got to run as well um, uh, coming up here. But we'll, we can go for another uh, couple of minutes for, uh, for folks. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely think there. Love. I mean, we could do a whole episode just talking about the non-football sports impact, right? And and how that might get worked out. But, um, you know, I you know I wanted uh, the financials was one thing I wanted to touch on. I, you know, I think worst case scenario, it's it's uh, more than they were going to make, um, on par with with the Big Twelve teams, slightly ahead, and and obviously they have a path to much greater riches down the road. Anything else you want to touch on? Um, you know, I, you know, I, I kind of, I texted you this, I think, you know, during the, the hilarious, uh, uh, board of trustees meeting, uh, with the chair, you know, from the golf cars, golf course and everything. And I think the, the president slipped up at one point and I, at least I assume it's a slip up and said being on ESPN along with the other networks. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that that's yes. Um, I, yes. So, uh, uh in terms of, uh, uh Quoting that line uh, when he said, you know, uh, our, our alums are excited because they're going to be able you know, to see our games on li- our linear platforms, you know, we're going to be on. And he rattled off, you know, network after network um, again because of the setting, because it's a board of trustees meeting and you know, there's no opportunity for for non-participants to, to interject, um, uh, nor in that exact setting would it be appropriate to do so. Um, yeah, like I'm I'm. Knowing what I know today, um, I am going to surmise that that may have been a just excited moment mis- misspeak, which is hardly uh, a crime against humanity to rattle off from Fox to ESPN and then go like, oh, wait, yeah, yeah. you know, they don't have a partner in ESPN going forward yeah that was that was my assumption is he just he was just naming networks without really thinking about specifics because then after they did that and then he said cbs and then he said with our partners i think he was trying to remember nbc peacock and then just said oh with our with our partners so be that as it may yeah you know based on what we know today yeah yeah don't don't jump you know don't fly off the handle about it the guy was getting excited um literally was getting excited and talking about the excitement that people were having and I think that um, beyond the news of the day, uh, again, for those who didn't watch um, or will go back and watch the YouTube version um, of the, the entirety of the Board of Trustees meeting, um, oh I, my think, God. I think Oregon fans really should. Um, fans, alums, I don't care if you're a casual sports fan, if you're an alum, if you're a student, if you're just a citizen of the state, quite frankly, you know, or you may have a little bit of an annoyance with with Oregon State being you know left to, to figure its own devices, but 
for in terms of institutional leadership, and yes, today is a, a you know for the institution for the athletic department, it's a joyous day. And again, you guys know, but not all your listeners do. Guys, I'm a reporter. I'm I'm not a fan. I'm not a you know a rah rah guy. I'm, I'm just calling it what it is. I'm just telling you, today was beyond the excitement of the day. If you didn't come away, again, I don't know John Carl Schultz from a hole in the wall. Okay, I've been in the room with the man one time when he initially got introduced. That's it. Like, you know, I, I'm not pretending I know him. But he conveyed a genuine, real excitement and enthusiasm about sports that you have yeah. not heard out of that office. Forget about during the Michael Schill tenure. I'm not sure when you would have heard that level of excitement you know, prior going back probably at least 15, 20 years to the president who uh, uh, was there with Kilkenny. I'm forgetting the man's name now, unfortunately, uh, forgive me, but I know he was heavily involved with, you know, bringing back baseball and that kind of stuff. Um, maybe, maybe that time. So having, you know, administrators <laughs> who genuinely feel like real excitement about not just the dollars and cents of this, or even the academics, because that's part of what they have to care about, but having someone who just gets it, you know, who really gets it, um, that came across, you know, and Tom yeah, is still tell, I, you know, I'm not making declarative yeah. statements, but I'm just going to saying like somebody who's talking in that context, in that way, and showing you real emotion on a human level, which presidents and chancellors at colleges and universities, uh, not exactly known for their <laughs> heavily human traits. Um, and this is a, an economist who tells you he's a dry economist. He conveyed well, I mean, emotion to I, you that you just hadn't seen from that office yeah. in a long time. Yeah, I met I met Shill a couple times at like some tailgates at some away games, and yeah, I came away you know similarly unimpressed with him at least from a sports standpoint. I don't know how he runs the university, nor frankly do I care. And from from the standpoint of Shoals, um, now that he's landed this ship, from an athletic standpoint, like in his. <laughs> Entire tenure, no matter whether it's a year or twenty, there won't be as momentous of a of a moment and a decision and a and an inflection point uh, for Oregon athletics. So, from an athletic standpoint, like whatever, you know, uh, as long as you don't run the university into the ground, right? So, um, I, I I compared that that uh, or I will compare that contrast between what you just said and what you just described to something I said earlier before you jumped on, which was watching a real, live, actual, factual, bona fide conference network coverage the events of today was such a stark and glaring contrast to what we've seen for the last 12 years. And I even haven't had the occasion yet to act, you know, because of the way things were unfurling over the day, I, I just have not had the chance even in the background, when I frankly I normally do have the TV on in the background on on silent, but just have just for hey turn over my shoulder and if something's on I quickly you know turn the volume up or something. And frankly, it's usually not sports channels, but whatever. But because of everything that was going on today, I just did not even have the opportunity yeah, well, and occasion. Um, I mean, you'll have to take my word for it then. But even even going one step less than that, even just comparing the activity on the Big Ten conference and big 10 network twitter accounts today and the way that they were Promote. were promoting it it's like it's night and day night and day yeah and some of that is like i say some of that stuff is the low-hanging fruit some of that stuff is just basic infrastructure 
It's not, it's not a matter of just, well, they have more money, so they do it better. You know, you can have a lot of money. No. You can spend a lot of money and it could be done so unwisely that it doesn't make a difference. Um, no, there, there are professional operations. The Big Ten Network is a professional operation. The SEC Network is a professional operation. Um, they, they both do really, really good work. Um, and their league offices and their league communications people do really good work uh, in, in championing their brands, their schools, their message, um, and promoting it. And, and good on them. And, and look, now, now you're a part of it oh. going forward. And, you know, you hope to. Yeah, I know, by the way, they're in 73 million households and will be available uh, to, to anyone, yeah. <laughs> any Oregon fan to be able to get relatively easily. And that's, you know. That's some of the biggest stuff going forward. And obviously, yeah, we'll get into football scheduling and what that means and what the impact will be and where where resources rank and where recruiting budgets rank and where travel budgets rank and um, uh, any number of things on, on for football, for men's and women's basketball, for, again, every team sport, baseball, softball. Like I say, like, again, football is going to generate all the attention and because it generates the most money and as it should, as it should. But the volume, I mean, go back to, you know, heck, how the men's basketball season ended for Oregon against Wisconsin. Yes, in the NIT. But talk about where, you know, yes, Dana got all upset because, you know, how the team played and ultimately the low attendance. Do you think attendance is going to be as big a problem when you're hosting Purdue or Iowa or Ohio State or Wisconsin in a given season? I mean, it's certainly going to be a lot better. Like, certainly gonna be a lot better. You know, like come on. Like the the ticket demand for when Cal or Stanford or when USC was bad, uh, when Utah pretty much the entire time, when Wazoo. When 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 those teams are coming in, you gotta be kidding. Yeah, it was easy to show up when the LA school showed up when Arizona was good and they showed up. No question. Colorado certainly at different points. Oregon State by default, sure. And they, again, they could still be there in non-conference play. But you're going to get a taste of it when Michigan comes in on the Saturday, the day after the the uh, Pac-12 football championship game. Because you're finally going to get the, the return trip after many years. That'll be just, you know, part one. Then, uh, you know, in basketball, you're going to be playing everyone in the league and you're either going to be playing, you know, half the league will be playing at home, half the league will be playing on the road, I would imagine. And a few you'll have home and homes. Probably Washington being one of them, quite frankly. And maybe the LA schools, I suppose, if depending on what kind of volume of league games they play. And you're going to do that for both men's and women's basketball. That's yep. humongous. And in baseball and yeah. softball, with where Oregon is and where their resources are and where they were already at competitively, they are already at or ahead of damn near everyone in the Big Ten today in those sports. So in the major team yeah. sports, Oregon is going to jump into – has obviously achieved the level of success it has uh, as long as something you know, doesn't completely derail uh, uh, <laughs> one of those programs over the next uh, year plus. Um, they're going to be jumping in and hitting the ground running in the top team sports. And then, yes, in some of the individuals, everyone's to point out track and et cetera. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and golf and tennis has a, a higher degree of fluctuation just on, on individual performance, but obviously they've had some success there as well. So, and lacrosse, and, you know, as a, as a sport or soccer is a sport that Oregon has that from a regionality standpoint, not saying the Pac-12 doesn't have success, but regionality of lacrosse 
far greater in the Northeast yeah. portion of the United yeah. States and Midwest yeah. than it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yes, yeah. it's going to help in recruiting. It's going to help in competition. It's going to help in exposure and being on Big Ten Network and Big Ten Network streaming and Fox and CBS and Peacock and yes, and everything. So it, all those reasons you have to be excited about this move um, because Again, we can talk about you know Doug and I especially can talk about dollars and cents until we're blue in the face. But ultimately, how is how is it really impacting you, the fan, you know, to cheer for your your favorite school's dollars and bank account? What you want to know is, can you watch, especially after this many years of the Pac-12, where the biggest complaint was the ability to watch your favorite team? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you couldn't watch them regularly. You had a very hard time watching them, and when you could watch them, the caliber of the broadcast was brutal. Here's the here's the other thing, and going to a league where it's now Fox and, and all the other partners, you don't have to worry about the ESPN West Coast production truck uh, anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The four the four eighty i truck showing up for the yeah, game. It's no longer uh, going to be a thing that you ever have to no. worry about, maybe ever again. Hey, maybe 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 someone can get some uh, some TV production equipment on the cheap here in the next you know twelve months. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine who might be a seller in that regard. Um, uh, yeah. so, James, yeah. uh, I you know we'll call this one an episode. We'll definitely have you back soon to talk about all the the other layers of this coming down the pipe. I'm sure you've got some stories to file and whatnot. Oh, just a few. Tell, tell our listeners where they can find you. Well, obviously, again for. Uh, many of them, I'm sure, who are obviously in-state and for fans who uh, uh, from out-of-state who just come to find uh, Ducks News and all the different sports from the Oregonian. Uh, for those who pick up the print product, thanks so much for doing that and keep doing so. And for those who uh, do the e-newspaper and all that, that's great. But uh, for those in the digital world, uh, the easiest way is uh, on OregonLive.com and OregonLive.com slash Ducks to make it a very quick and, and direct uh means of finding every everything ducks for like i say every every sport uh everything imaginable so that's where everything is myself and bill orham in particular and the rest of our colleagues uh for the oregonian yes we'll have wall-to-wall coverage of all things with realignment and moving to the big 10 and where that all ranks and oh yeah by the way today was day three of fall camp and i promise we will get back to lots of football on the field <laughs> for the next yeah three, i mean that's that's four weeks that's too. almost yeah. the that's almost one of the most exciting parts about all of this is i can i can i mean how many people i can stop following now on social media and and the fact that now i don't have to record seven podcasts a week about realignment i can act, hey what we can start talking about football this is yeah, amazing doug, doug, doug was following every version of the pack tw- uh, the uh, uh, big 12 twitterati <laughs> Um, and, oh. and it probably has a, a level of reliability rating for, for every single one of them. Um, I have <laughs> no in my doubt. spreadsheets, James. I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure MH Ver and, and what is it? Greg Swaim <laughs> and, and whoever else, oh, you know, in the, in the, and who's spoken the, into the existence. The sad part is like, even the people, you know, are discredited. You still, you still peek in and read them because you just can't help yourself. Hey, look, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> or at least I can't. The difference you got to appreciate the beauty and the passion of it all. You know, you don't have this in pro sport, even with team relocation, you don't have this in pro sport. This is just a unique phenomenon. No matter how you feel about realignment or any of that, the, the, (laughs) the lunacy of it for now, like three years running, the lunacy of it all is only something you experience in college sports. And then the, all these, all these, uh, like I say, <laughs> players in the proverbial information field um, has been, so, it's been amusing. 
Yeah, you said three summers running, and James, my question is, do we get a break next summer, or is it uh, Florida State action? <laughs> uh, I'm not going. I am not going down the rabbit hole we were in in the spaces yesterday, today, <laughs> no. tomorrow, and it, we will. No, we're not. We're not going we'll there. By it, way of, uh, we'll call it a night there. <laughs> on that, but but yeah, yeah so let, let's not go down the rabbit hole of of grant of rights and and legalese uh, at this hour. But um, yeah, certainly something to revisit in the future for sure. Yeah, James, thanks again so much. All, all you out listening, thank you so much. We'll be back in a couple of days with our next episode. Um, we're going to take some listener questions. So if you tweet those at us or DM them to us at QB11 Show on Twitter, we will uh, get those on the show. Thanks, James.